Good evening. Welcome to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. And usually you've heard me talking about the pirates in these, but we have decided to expand the Fan Forum a little bit, and this one is all Penguins. It's appropriate with the playoffs right, right around the corner and going on. And uh, I've brought in some excellent guests to get this kicked off. Um, first, Jim Stam. If you've listened to any of the Pirates uh, podcasts I've done, you know him. He's all Pittsburgh all the time. Jim, say hello. Hey, Gary. How's it going? Um, yeah, this is an exciting time of year for the Penguins. We, we get kind of used to it by now. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to be able to talk Penguins, to be honest. Uh, it's a nice departure for me. And uh, next up, we have somebody that, man, if you if you follow the Penguins and don't know Penguins Jesus, I'm not sure where you've been living, but <laughs> Penguins Jesus is joining us for the first episode here, and super happy to have him aboard. Say hello, sir. Glad to join you today, Gary, and I'm uh, glad to talk a little bit of Penguins hockey. All right. I'm super excited. And I'm also excited. This is the first time I'm hearing the voice of the Lord and it is as deep and authoritative as I hoped it might be. (laughs) (laughs) So appreciate that. I thought we would get started out just kind of talking about a little bit of the, the history of the penguins. I I think we're all men of a certain age here. You know, I'm, I'm in my forties. I know Jim's in his forties. I have no idea how old you are, Lord, really. I don't even know if you do. <laughs> so uh, let's put it this way. Just like Jesus himself, I'm, I'm about 30. <laughs> nice. I hope you don't That's have some, the truth. So. I hope you don't kind of maybe have some kids too. We'll see. But No, no, not yet. But uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you that I, I get mistaken for way older and way younger than what I actually am all the time. And just about nobody nails it right on, which is odd. So maybe I have a weird personality. Even so you, you at least in the, in your thirties have seen a little bit of the, the Mario Yager years as well. So uh, if, if you follow me at all, the, the Yager love is, uh, is, is deep. Absolutely. Mario as well, but I mean, like an unnatural amount of Yager love. It's hard not to. I can't believe the guy's still playing, to be honest. It, it sounds like he's even going to play again next year. But um, Bring him back. I figured we – oh, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> you think he gets Sully's formula? I'm not so sure. No, he doesn't put anyone in the NHL's formula, unfortunately. But uh, regardless, we've been really, really blessed here in, in Pittsburgh with with the, the players that we've had here. I think we, we're on a – almost consecutive run of 25 plus years of having arguably the best player in the NHL. I mean, let's talk a little bit about just the history of this franchise because, you know, I I cover the pirates a lot and it's a downtrodden fan base, right? So here I am now talking penguins and I just feel like I need a little bit of a reset because this is not a downtrodden fan base. If anything, we're spoiled with the penguins, so, Jesus, I'm going to let you start. You know, just talk a little bit about this franchise in general and just how good it is. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting franchise, I mean, to be honest. I mean, if you look back at the history, I know that uh, around the, the first time they won the Cup, they did a, like a kind of a 50-year 
Um, maybe it was the second year on the on the back to back uh, 2017 here recently. Um, they did that 50 year montage of the Penguins, and uh, it, it was kind of like a a rough road, I think. You know, for the for the franchise, where before Mario, it was kind of a lost franchise that I don't think anyone saw any future for. It may have moved. Um, obviously, he saved it twice, and uh, you know, here we are with a with a playoff streak that's uh, you know. <laughs> One of the longer, you know, in, in recent memory, if you if you cast the Red Wings aside, and they always do the right cast thing. The Red and, Wings and you, aside. Every chance. <laughs> well, <laughs> to, to watch them over the last five years after watching them for, you know, the, I guess it was like 20-some year uh, playoff streak. It's just, you know, mind-blowing to me to see how bad they were because before it was, they almost seemed unbeatable. Um, but th- this franchise done just uh, has done everything right. I mean, even to the point of where, you know, Rutherford left in the middle of the season or kind of towards the beginning, really. Um, and, and out of nowhere, um, they, they kind of plan a good foot down and, and go out and get Ron Hextall, Brian Burke. And uh, they went from kind of, what are we going to do this year? We might not even hit the playoffs and they end up taking a division. And uh, you know, here we are squaring off with the Islanders. So uh, an impressive franchise, one that does things right more often than, than, than wrong. And, uh, one that I wish that, uh, Mr. Nutting might, uh, you know, <laughs> reflect uh, some of his actions against. So uh, it's a, it's a franchise that, you know, for, for the size of market that we have, they do great. It's, it's interesting you say that because before the cap era, you know, Howard Baldwin did the exact wrong thing really for a solvent, um, franchise. He spent money he didn't have and he brought, two championships to town. So we almost lost the team. You know, Mario was able to save it, of course, but I mean, that was, that was pretty close call there and caused by irresponsible spending. And I would never trade it. I'm super happy he did it. (laughs) Those were some of the best years ever as a fan. I mean, especially I'm right on the edge where, I remember the the late 80s when we had still not beaten the Flyers in years. I remember Paulson and Kren going and casting spells on on the Flyers at the Spectrum, you know. It, we we couldn't beat anybody until 1988. And then it just started from there and, and it's just been unbelievable. Jim, you're you're right in my wheelhouse here. How do you feel yeah. about this franchise, the success overall? Yeah, I mean Look, the other beautiful thing about those first two cups, when when they came along, this city was um, really kind of um, just looking for something to, to latch onto as far as championships go, right? We had the Steelers in the 70s. Um, we all know about the Pirates. And so it had been a little while for Pittsburgh, at least from our spoiled uh, fan base in general about, you know, getting a championship. So those years with the Penguins and they were starting to build in the late eighties. And then when those early nineties teams hit, I mean, you could just, uh, I don't know how you guys remember it, but you could just feel the, uh, Oh man, the excitement. And then when they finally broke through and won, I mean, it's like the top blew off this town yeah. and it, it was so, it, I mean, it was like, you know, the, 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 the parades and the, and the people that showed up and it was just, it was the perfect time for this city to start celebrating 
the Penguins finally getting to the top. And I just, I, I cannot commend that organization enough, and especially, you know, the ownership under Lemieux, just that every decision they make is geared toward trying to win a Stanley Cup. And I just, you know, we, we, we don't even have to say who we can compare that to in, in, the, in this town, but just how nothing short of making a cup run is acceptable. Now, whether they do it or not, that's another thing. Yeah. But they are always, always striving to get there and make the necessary moves, make, make adjustments, not be afraid to make adjustments or personnel changes when it's necessary. And I just, I mean, as a fan and as a fan base, I mean, what more could you possibly ask for from a professional franchise? Absolutely. I mean, but, you know, we still go into just about every season with X amount of people pronouncing them dead, saying they're done with their run. Oh, it's time to start trading those big core players, right? Time to get rid of them. Boy, Malkin stinks. And then every single year, somehow, some way, they pull things together, they make the playoffs. And by the time we get here, everybody's talking about how deep they're going to go, not they shouldn't be here. So one interesting aspect of what happened this year was Jim Rutherford up and quitting just as the season got underway. If they did not make a move to bring in Carter, how, and even with the move to bring in Carter, how much of the credit for this team goes to GMJR as opposed to the guys in charge right now? Or do they get credit for simply holding firm and not moving everybody out? Either of you. I guess I'll, I'll kick off. I mean, I, I think that this is kind of one of those really complex and, and, and nuanced answers. Um, you know, I, I think that without GMJR, you don't have the team as, as assembled right now. Um, but I also think that with the team that you're seeing on the ice right now, wouldn't be the same that it is with GMJR on the team. Cause he may have made a couple more snap trades. Yeah. There may be a few pieces that are gone um, that maybe shouldn't have been gone. I, I, I think, Trader Jim was a good moniker for him because obviously um, he was always willing to tinker, but I almost think he could tinker anything to death. So, um, you know, it was kind of a blessing and a curse. And, and to me, the team, I guess, wasn't as far away from, from success as what we thought it might've been. And, and Hextall being kind of an analytical guy and a slow mover goes in at the deadline, gets like this mid thirties uh, kind of on the back end on the, you know, you know, the, the sunset of his career and everyone, you know, including myself, I'm like, I, I think I posted something like, you know, kind of like me sitting here for an hour trying to figure out why we traded for Jeff Carter. It, it didn't make sense. Um, right. and, and there we are. We've been looking for a third line center here for, for years and years. And we had a couple here and there. Benino worked for, for a time. We tried to get Broussard. Um, and, uh, you know, lo and behold, Jeff Carter is, is everything that we wanted. So um, I, I think a lot of that is, you know, GMJR was, you know, good for a certain period of time. But I think just like with the, the Carolina franchise, when you trade that much and, and you're constantly emptying and covered out, um, th there is a kind of a window as to if you do that too much, too long, 
um, you, you could do more damage than, than the benefits that you get from that. So I think the pivot, and, and I don't really know what, what precipitated that. And I don't know that anyone will ever tell us and maybe it'll be, yeah. you know, years from now, uh, you'll see an article online kind of documenting how and why uh, GMJR left. But I think the Hextall and Burke coming in at the time that they did um, almost looks, you know, like the perfect move by the, the ownership team. And, and they might have had they might have got a call you know in the middle of the week in the middle of the night saying you got to get a gm and, and i think they made a really good move really quickly yeah i, I mean hextall in particular um burke i wasn't as excited about you know he um he kind of supports a lot of the things that i think need to be addressed in the game um it's really good for the inclusivity part of things, but I, I think he's also a big proponent of the goonery. So um, as long as I, I agree with bring, that, but to be fair, I don't think he's brought that to the team yet. No, or, or not, maybe even intends to. That's where I was going. As long as he doesn't bring it to the team, I, I'm happy there. I, I just don't want to see some way I see Berkey. Fight. The way I see him is, is that Ron Hextall is not an interview guy. And the Penguins GM has a lot of answering to do all the time. And he's their quotable. Like, he's, he's literally like their PR guy, I think. That's a good way to look at it, yeah. I mean, Jim, what do you think so here? I, I mean, the, the Penguins were pronounced dead. Everybody wanted to trade Latang and Malkin. It was time to blow it up. You know, we heard some of their most fervent supporters saying things like that. How did they avoid it? You know, I mean, look, it can't last forever. So I think people are just ready to, as soon as you see some instances where they're not playing as well or things just aren't meshing uh, at the beginning, beginning of seasons or maybe at the even more importantly at the end of seasons where they kind of, um, you know, fade out, don't play well in the playoffs. It's just everyone is looking and expecting it at some point to happen. Um, and, you know, it's hard not to let those thoughts creep in um, because look, you know, they, they've got some, they've got an aging core and you just, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later. They've just managed to, and that's where I give Jim Rutherford a lot of credit is that, you know, he, he's made, he makes some moves and maybe too many, but when he did, you know, for whatever reason he did walk away and I don't know about you guys, but I think I've heard <laughs> 10, 10 different theories as to what in the world happened there. And uh, I'm not going to go into any of them because, you know, it's pointless. We can't verify any of it. I, I think like, <laughs> like Jesus said, we're going to stay there. I don't think yeah. we're going to get past wonder. Right. And so, but, you know, he left them in really good shape, and it was a blessing that, you know, when he did up and leave, it was kind of early enough where when Hextall and Burke did come aboard, they were able to just kind of sit and observe and see what they had, and this team was starting to play a little better and, you know, really starting to mesh, and then they were able to just say, okay, look, we've got, we don't have to make any huge moves here at the deadline. Um, I don't know if you want to use the analogy of you just, you got a sports car and you just don't want to 
wreck it. So they just went out and made one move and man, they nailed it. And I don't know if that's luck or skill, but it's kind of funny how organizations like, whether you're talking about the Penguins or the Patriots in football, but they sure do seem to make a lot of the right moves when they absolutely have to. And whether, and that's whether it's management or on, um, you know, on the ice. So um, it, oh, it yeah. couldn't have, it couldn't have. We are the Patriots better. of the NHL, aren't we? We are. I mean, we are. <laughs> a lot, a, a lot of skill and a little bit of luck. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not a way I'd really like to think of them, but you're right. I mean, that's, that is what they are. So, um, I mean, when you have Sidney Crosby, you have a chance to win. That's, that's really the, been the ethos of the team for, you know, 15 years now. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm pretty happy that, that we're here and, uh, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back and we're going to talk a little bit more. back and after constantly thinking of which team the penguins were going to end up facing and which one we'd want them to face the draw is done we have the islanders and the history that comes with the matchup with the islanders but as superstitious as hockey players are as a fan i really really try not to be that way <laughs> uh, the islanders historically are the last team i'd want to play but this year i think they've been a pretty good matchup for the penguins um you know they've won six of eight some of them were pretty close games um tristan jari's outplayed varlamov pretty well um the Islanders system is great and it's really difficult to get around, but if the goaltender is pulling in, uh, you know, a safe percentage of 929, the system doesn't look so great. You know, he, he needs to be up in the 950s to keep that system on its feet and uh, losing Anders Lee really, really took some steam out of them too. And their, their deadline trades didn't really help them all that much. The Penguins, on the other hand, are kind of getting some acquisitions right here as the playoffs start by getting like Brandon Tanev back and hopefully a fully healthy Geno. I think that might be the biggest difference is the Penguins are really healthy. So, Jim, I'm going to start with you this time. Um, how do you feel about this playoff series? Do you, do you think the Penguins have have it in them? Was it, the, was it a good matchup for them? Yeah, and I'm going to go straight for the jugular here and give you the prediction on this series. All right. It's, it's going to go six games, and you already know the answer as to who's advancing. Um, uh, the Islanders, uh, look, they, the Pens have had success against them this year. So it's really interesting. We've got recent regular season success and not so much on the postseason side. But I don't put a lot of stock in that in past postseasons. I think um, that's a f more of a fan type and a, um, a media type way to look at things. I don't know that the players think of it in those terms um, unless it's something on the uh, just on the extreme side of things. I just think that 
each season is its, its own standalone story. And I don't, I don't know that uh, you've got this hockey team sitting around thinking about, oh, you know, we struggled against the Islanders back in, you know, whatever year we want to, we want to pick. So um, I, I think the Penguins win it in six. I think a really interesting storyline here is the health of both goaltenders right now. Um, I think both of them are kind of, uh, I don't know if Jari is completely 100%. I'd like to think he is. I'd like to think this rest helps. But I know that uh, they, they've, they've talked about, is uh, it's Varlamov, right? Yep. That he's got some kind of a muscle strain right now that happened, I don't know if it was in the last game or yes. the game before. And, um, you know, is he, is he 100%? So um, you've got two goalies kind of coming off some injuries. And, um, of course, the Penguins also have the DeSmith thing that uh, has to shake itself out. But we all know, hey, look, when the playoffs come, your goalie has to be on point and, you know, absolutely uh, locked in or you're just – you're going to go home early. I'm just, I think that that's a really interesting storyline here that we, we've yet to see play out. Yeah. I mean, I always worry every time Matt Barzell's on the ice. I, I mean, the guy is uh, crazy skilled. He can take over a game. Um, Nick Letty always seems to give the Penguins trouble. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of troublemakers on that team that, that always seem to kind of get in our kitchen a little bit. And um, Jari has stood up to them pretty well. So you're, I think he's probably the key to the series. I really do. That and the Penguins' speed, if they keep their legs moving, I, I think they'll draw some penalties, which you know will probably lead into our third topic. I think we're going to end up talking about the power play at some point here. Um, Jesus, let's let's go back to you here a little bit. I mean, where are you at on this series? You you confident? You feel like it was a good draw? It was the best draw I think we could have got for the first round. I think the Capitals, especially starting to come off an of injury and, and Ovi coming back, there that that Boston and, and Cap, I don't know if you watched it or or, or plan on watching it. Um, it, it it's game. gonna. Yeah, it's it's quite a uh, run and gun and, and, and heavy hitting series. So, um, you know, with regards to the draw, I think the Islanders are exactly who the Penguins wanted. Um, if they were trying to land somewhere, uh, you know, in the uh, in the standings to be able to to precipitate that, um, I think the Penguins can take it. I, I you know, part of me says I think they could do it in five games. Uh, I'm leaning towards six, uh, and, and the reason is I think Tristan Jari. I mean, and we have a very small sample set of, of data, you know, of him in the playoffs. Um, but I think there's going to be a little bit of growing pains getting into that. Um, not everyone is, uh, you know, Matt Murray who starts their career and, and looks like a veteran between the pipes uh, in playoff hockey. Um, but I just, I don't know that the the Islanders had it when they went and picked up uh, Zajac and, and Paul Mary. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit concerned for the Penguins, um, but it, for some reason, their deadline acquisitions, in, in my mind, um, haven't panned out the way that, that, that I thought. Now, we haven't – I don't think we've seen Palmieri yet against the Penguins, and he seems to be a Penguin killer, uh, you know, when he was a devil. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that, you know, manifests in the series. Um, 
you know, Anders Lee's out. He's a Penguin killer. So that's going to, you know, be to the benefit of the Penguins. I just think the Penguins have more depth. Um, they're going to be able to check the line that uh, will give them the most trouble. And, and they're going to have more offensive talents coming out. So guys, I think that, you know, could take the series over from the Penguins side are going to be your Jared McCann, um, you know, Jeff Carter, someone who eventually the Islanders run out of people um, to defensively check the Penguins' lines if you have the, the Crosby line, the Malkin line. Um, right. and, and I would think that our fourth line is going to be deployed more in a defensive role. So they're going to be trying to, to shut down whoever I think is going to be the most effective this series. Um, I, I think that the Penguins are going to have to rely on depth scoring, um, but I just don't think that's going to be an issue. I just think, uh, you know, overall, if, if we don't lose games because of Jari, I, I think the depth is going to take the series over. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Penguins, you know, handedly win this. But I, I just think the biggest asterisk is, do we have the goaltending? And then, yet, you know, with the Smith potentially being uh, a question mark, uh, you know, if there's any injuries to Jari, I think that can th throw the bus off the rails, uh, you know, I guess, or train off the rails, that is. You hate to so rely I, on that, you know, Dr. Angelo, um, you know, happening again, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, but luckily, that would, I that would be the same. Yeah. That would be the same for any any you know team in these playoffs. You know, you you have issues at goalie with injury in the playoffs. I mean, my goodness, that's that's it's, very that, true. That's going to be tough to overcome. Yeah, but when you when you really look at at this series, you know, I think and this draw. To me, the best part about this draw is that the Capitals and the Bruins are going to beat the crap out of each other, hopefully for six or seven games, because I don't think the Penguins physically are, are capable of doing that. They need, I think they need them to kind of be softened up a little bit already before we play them, um, especially the Capitals. So um, either way, but I, I don't think the goaltending is crazy for the Capitals. That's the thing. I, the Capitals, to me, are eminently beatable. The Bruins are a team that I think can just bully their way through. So that was the one I really didn't want to see. Um, not that I would have felt like the Penguins shouldn't have a chance to win any of them, but Boston was the one I least wanted to see, and I'm more than happy that those guys are going to play each other for a week, especially if every game is like that first one. I just want them to beat the tar out of each other. <laughs> And they've already started. Yeah, I mean, super physical series so far. So, and look, I mean, to me, the key with the Penguins in this series with the Islanders is going to be patience. I mean, you know what the Islanders are going to try to do in this game and in this series. And, um, you know, they're, what, second fewest goals allowed in the league, you know, yeah. for, the reg for the regular season. They're going to try to slow things down. Uh, the Penguins need to be patient, and like uh, Penguins Jesus said, is it's just going to be one of those things where some of those other lines are going to need to step up, and you know it's kind of wave after wave with the Penguins. They just have too much skill that I think eventually they will find the net, and um, it's just going to be maybe not at the pace the Penguins want to do it. They're just going to have to be patient and not get um, not start taking chances and start playing outside the system. And then that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think Jesus, I'm going to go back to you on this one, but I think one of the things that Solly does that a lot of hockey coaches don't 
when he has the last change, he likes to to throw his first line out against the other team's first line a lot more often than than you would think. You know, he does it against Boston a lot. Um, and I can see wanting to get away from the Islanders' fourth line and everything. How do you think he's going to play that in this series? Do you think he's going to line them up against Barzell and, and, and company, or do you think he's going to go for Sezekis and, and the guys? Uh, you know, the, the interesting thing with the Penguins' first line is that, you know, regardless of the fact that Sidney Crosby's never won a Selkie, I think that, you know, anyone who watches Penguins hockey knows that he's a defensively oriented, uh, you know, grinder type player who happens to be fantastic at scoring. Um, Sully's going to play that aggressively. I mean, you're not going to, you know, stick the Malkin line out uh, against the heavy checking line. In fact, you want to try to catch them on a bad change with the Malkin line. Right. I, I think Sullivan's going to play the, the way that he always has. Um, does it have some fault? Sure. I mean, we've seen it whenever they go against the, the, the quote unquote perfection line, which I hate that moniker um, uh, in Boston, they've had some troubles and, and maybe he's been wrong there, but um, I, I like Sullivan's propensity to always go aggressive. Uh, we're going to need to see that against this team because like it or not, the Penguins need to score first against a team like the Islanders because if they get a goal in in the net, it was like whenever you play the the Devils back in the '90s, where they'll they'll trap it down, stop puck movement, and make the game pretty much stop. So they'll they'll slowly bleed you out um, and and force you to to use a lot of energy just to get a puck into the zone uh, and, and maybe get a chance on net. So I think the Penguins, if they get an early lead and have to turn the the Islanders inside out and make them aggressive that's going to play into the Penguins' hand. So I think that Sully um, sees a, a – I would assume that he is, sees a, a very unique opportunity uh, to go out and score early and then play their own game against them. Yeah, I think the other thing that they've, that they've done really well against the Islanders this year is almost like the Avengers had the Hulkbuster. The Penguins created a new breakout directly to combat the, the trap. You know, so they're they're doing a lot of the, a lot of those off wing board passes that that so many of their wingers are excellent at receiving, and it's really been then jumping the neutral zone, and they're able to get through it so much faster. Uh, I I saw the Islanders struggle with that all season. Now Barry Trotz is a great coach, so he could he knows this too. It's not <laughs> it's not like I'm observing it and it's some secret. I'm sure he'll do something to combat it. It's on the Penguins to to readjust when and if they do. But I do think that they've they've come up with some things to get around that trap, even if they do fall behind a little bit. And they have the offensive depth, like we've been talking about, to get around it anyway. So pretty interested to see that. I hate starting in the afternoon. I'll say that. <laughs> this team always comes out flat in the afternoon. That's what I, I swear, you know, I, I was a, for a long time, a partial season ticket holder and just not anymore. Um, but I had this gut feel and I had it checked by Bob Grove and apparently I was wrong um, or, or just not right in the context of what I said is that I, I, every time I had to get up early for a Penguins game on a weekend, I felt like we got just our, our heads knocked in. It turns out the Penguins actually aren't that bad as long as they start before uh, 1230. So they actually have a fantastic right. record. If on games starting before twelve thirty, according to Bob Grip, because I, I I just like kind of cc'd him on a on a tweet, and, and obviously he's like the the wealth of information he always has the data. Um, they 
I never like, you know, any type of early start for the Penguins. I always feel like, you know, it's almost like they party on the weekends and just like wake up just totally out of sorts. Um, but uh, now Oli Mott is not here anymore. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know, the data says that that we, we look good at a noon start. We'll see. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it works. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on for this series right now is is the power play. I think the power play is going to be probably pretty crucial in this series. It, it's crucial in just about every series, but when you're playing a defensive team like the Islanders, you really have to make hay on the power play. We, we know that we've got our full complement of stars back, and I'm not sure that that makes the power play better on this team. Um, for whatever reason, you know, the two-headed monster just does not work together very well in my estimation on the power play. And uh, I wanted to just know if either of you had a take on how the power play should function. Would they be better if they just went with two defensemen? I've always thought that that functioned better. Um, Is there somebody that's not on it that should be? Jim, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously... Um, the big thing is here getting some pieces back before, you know, the playoffs start or during the playoffs, you'd look at that and you think, okay, well, Hey, that's, you know, you couldn't ask for anything more, but at the same time, you're also kind of getting guys used to playing with, with each other again. And that's not as easy as just even with veterans, you know, not just as easy as just uh, lacing up your skates and going out there and just everything's completely in sync. Um, so you'd like to think that they would hit the, you know, hit the ground running here and be just fine. That worries me a little bit with the Islanders just because, you know, they are going to make, make you kind of grind it out. And, you know, I, I look at, you would like to think that Malkin, coming back is going to be a boost but we've also seen Malkin take a long time to get adjusted even when he's healthy let alone coming off a pretty significant lay, uh, layoff how many games did he miss total was it I'm trying to think it was it had to be what I don't uh, know the exact number off the top yeah of tw- 20 some games wasn't it at least yeah so um what the Penguins ended up, I think, top five, which is which is incredible if you think about it, that that unit ended up in the top five in um, uh, power plays this year, you know, scoring. So it, it, because they, they came out and looked, I mean, it was just like pulling teeth to get any kind of success uh, on the power play. So I. For them to end up where they did, you know, I, I'd i like to think that we get these guys back. Everything, you know, kind of just um, falls into place. But I'm not so sure that that's going to happen, especially against a team like the Islanders. Hopefully we can get through the series. And um, because when we get to teams, whether it's the Capitals or the Bruins or whoever, they're going to need to be, you know, completely in sync. And. I don't know that we're going to see that right away here in this series. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm no Gino hater. I love the guy, but I'd rather have McCann on my power play right now, just 
because of the performance that that I saw this regular season. Obviously, but I, but are the, you can't do it. But but are, yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, it's one of those things where I I I talked about that plenty. Uh, just you know, complaining on Twitter, but it's just not going to happen. Right. So I've let I've let it go. You know, I know that they're not going to do that, um, for better or worse. Um, yeah, so well, we, can, I, we can complain on here again, so it's it's fine. <laughs> Jesus, where are you at on this? Because you know, I know you observe the power play pretty closely, I, and I also know that you felt the pain of this. You, you watched this talent. And you just can't fathom how they can't pull it together on the power play. But it, it's almost because nobody is the trigger man, right? Well, you know, the way I think power plays are most effective is whenever they're not static. And, and, and by that, I mean, look at the Penguins power play. It's been redesigned like 17 times in the last five years. And I think that that actually gives other coaches, you know, headaches. I mean, look at the, the Capitals power play. I already know their setup five years from now as long as Hopi's still playing yep they're they're all a bunch of feeders you know they're they're doing their their wraparound passes and and, and umbrelling and then trying to open up you know Hopi to a like a cross crease snapshot so uh the, the way that the penguins play I, i'm fine with mccann holding that the top you know power play unit spot but if he's not effective put malkin in if you need two defensemen go the two defensemen if you need one go to one but i think the fact is is that that they're effective um because they seem to not be static and they're okay to change things on the power play. If it's not working, that's yep. going to be, I think one of the biggest tools that they have is, is that other coaches never know what they're going to, what that power play is going to look like. And it's hard to play a, a penalty kill against it. You know, in terms of special teams, the biggest issue I think the Penguins have right now is going to be penalty killing. And then there's a little bit of a, a special note where I think if the power play gets a little bit too chummy, uh, John Gabriel Pajot and a couple of guys, um, you know, from the Islanders, they're going to make you pay in terms of shorthanded goals. So I think right. that might be what pushes the Penguins in this series to want to go to two defensemen on the power play. If uh, if they get some, you know, bad bad passes or you know they take a shot and it ends up hit, you know, Chris Letang's amazing for only hitting shin guards on the power play and then end up you know springing the puck back the opposite direction. So almost uh, you see a couple line. things like. That that poor guy, I, I swear, every time he winds up for a shot, I'm like, this thing is going to hit someone shingler. If his stick um, doesn't break, that is, yeah. <laughs> he, he he has the worst luck ever when it comes to stuff like that. I'm like, it's it's almost like that thing's magnetic to the to the you know front defense or you know four yeah. checkers uh, shin guards and then springs for. Uh, but I think that'll be what dictates it. If you see a shorthanded goal early, you'll you'll see two two defensemen on the power play. If the power plays just wrecking the Islanders on any opportunity that they have, um, they'll go with one. So I, I think the the key is, and the coaches are fantastic at this, uh, play what works. And if it doesn't work, change it. Be willing to, to, to modify what you're doing. I mean, the Capitals, if, if, if you if you kind of figure out how to drape, you know, OV and, 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 and mute their power play, they won't change it. I mean, I, I've watched numerous Capital series, and, and, and that can be something you could do in the playoffs. It may be a reason why they, they've never really – had a lot of opportunities to go further than the second round other than the year they won the cup. So yeah, I think the Penguins in their, you know, resilience to being able to, to change what they're doing and move sit around. Is he going to be behind that? Is he on the half wall? Is he kind of roving? Um, those are things that successful teams do. And I, I have a hard time faulting them. I, I think they just kind of keep the flow that they've been with. 
Well, that, the other side of it too is when you throw out a, a power play too that's going to feature like Jeff Carter and Jared McCann. I mean, like that's it, it's pretty deadly. That you, you're not just talking about like a minute thirty of the number one unit, and that's what it is. I mean, they have two solid units. They could probably even go two and a half deep, I'd say, and and not a lot of teams can say that. So, you know that. I still think the Islanders would be best suited to stay out of the penalty box, but I could see them tempting fate and uh, maybe getting away with it for a while until the Penguins find their groove. But on that note, let's go ahead and take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the overall playoff. back and now that we've kind of covered the penguins in their first series a little bit here i'd like to just look at the overall nhl landscape for the playoffs i mean it's not like we've had a long time to digest it they finally just finished up in the north so let's talk about it let's see where we're at so in the north the the maple leafs the canadians edmonton and winnipeg i i mean i'm of the belief that that canadian division um, it's probably going to be Edmonton or Toronto coming out of it. And I think either one of them is going to get boat raced in the other series they play. <laughs> I just don't think that was a good um, division up there at all. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? Jim? Jesus. You know, I, no, so go ahead, PJ. I, at least from my perspective. <laughs> um, I, I think the only complete team I see up there, and I don't even know if complete's the right word, is Toronto. I, I think they're going to just walk out of that division. Now, how the, the AHL North stacks up um, against the rest of the NHL, I think is going to be uh, an interesting play. And, and that's something I've been saying for, for a while this whole season. We have no idea how any of these divisions stack up against the others. Right. Um, but Toronto, to me, seems like the team that's just going to walk out of there. They uh, McDavid's great. He's having a historic season, but I, I just think if, if you throw the deck of cards against him and force the rest of that team to score, Edmonton's going to look like a team that has no business being in the playoffs, and that's going to be the biggest challenge. McDavid can't throw the whole team on his back. I mean, he has dry sidle too, but, I mean, I think overall nobody in that division plays defense, really. So <laughs> they're, they're, that's not playoff hockey. That's just not. And once once you actually get – to start facing some teams and we'll, we'll do who they're going to face next. But once you start getting into facing teams like Carolina and Nashville, you, you have to play some defense or you're going to get eaten up, eaten alive. And I just don't see any of them. Toronto for years now has had a really, really good, strong offense, but they have no goaltending. They have no defense. It's, it's not the way to win in the playoffs and they should just, count their blessings they're not playing boston in the first round like usual because they'd be out just as quickly as they came in so out of that division i personally have edmonton coming out of it i think they'll they'll get past toronto but not not easily the next division is carolina versus nashville and florida versus tampa bay Anybody watched those guys specifically, Jim? How about you this time? You know, it's funny. I was just, you know, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm looking at those matchups, 
And I will say probably the team I've seen the least this year in, in, in any capacity, and it almost shocked me when I looked at their overall record, was Carolina. Um, I just did not realize how well they had played throughout the entire season. And I mean, you don't, you, you have to go out of your way to find a Carolina hurricanes game, um, <laughs> on TV. But, um, I, I think, you know, it's their, it, I would, I, w- I, s- I like Carolina, but I can't be positive about that simply because I have not seen them play a ton. Um, you know, I have seen them play a decent amount. Yeah, so tell me because it's great, it's great team hockey. Jesus yeah, that, will probably fill in for this too, but it's. I it's was going to say they hockey. Yeah, the, because as far as a standout, I'm not. I don't see it. No, it's it's a collective, and um, it's almost like the Islanders were a couple of years ago. Um, very very fast. Um, play really really strong defense. Systematic. Um, they're getting great goaltending. Yeah, Carolina is a force to be reckoned with, I think. I, I really do. I And, I, I mean, I'd love to say Tampa would come out of that division, but oof. Carolina's tough to beat, I think. Jesus, what do you think? So, you know, all things being equal, I always root for the teams. I think that the Penguins would most likely steamroll. I'd rather other teams do our dirty work than us have to do it if we get to that point. Um, so I, I'm heavily rooting for, you know, the, the, the hurricanes and the predators. Cause I think that uh, Rod Brandemore is doing great work down in Carolina. I just think that uh, Tampa's the juggernaut up there. They're getting Kucherov back. Um, they're the team to beat. And I, and I think that uh, the other dark horse that you see there is, is the Panthers good coaching. Uh, I think a solid construction of, of team and, and they're not as young as they used to be. I think they have a little bit more experience under their belt. And, and they're just doing the right things. I think Carolina is probably a year or two early. Um, you know, they had a fantastic season, and I think that they're going to continue to get better. They're very young, um, and they're growing together. Um, but I just don't see them putting it together quite this soon. Um, so, so maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I'm really thinking that, uh, you know, a, a team in Florida is going to be uh, exiting that division. It's, it's plausible. It really is. Um, the Panthers are, they, they've been under the radar, I think, this year, really. Um, and as has everyone outside of our division. I mean, we're all living in these little bubbles. And I, and I honestly think, while I have watched a lot of out-of-town hockey, I certainly haven't watched, watched it the way I do when they're playing the Penguins. Because when you're not able to judge them against your squad, it's really difficult to say how they're handling that speed, how they handle that speed game. Well, they're maybe not facing that speed game. Maybe they're not facing that kind of skill that the Penguins bring to the table. It's very difficult to just look at, at the brackets themselves and, and think like that, you know? Um, so speaking of out of market, let's go to the other one. Cause I think the real cream of the crop is in this division. Um, Colorado and St. Louis, Vegas and Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's there because somebody had to be, I think. (laughs) It wasn't a a great division. And St. Louis, same thing. Colorado, I think, has this um, with Vegas at least. But Colorado, to me, has to be the favorite to win the cup. 
I would say. I, I think they're they're probably the most complete team. I like them um, from top to bottom. Uh, if anything, I question their goaltending just a little. But Colorado is, to me, the, the cream of that division for sure. Vegas has a good shot too, but Colorado is my favorite. Jesus, what do you think on that division? Uh, I mean, I think you nailed it, Gary. Uh, you know, from the games that I've watched, Colorado seems like they're just going to walk into the playoffs. The only thing I guess I'd question there is, like you said, the goaltending is potentially suspect, but, I mean, they've had no issues with it this season. Um, the other thing I think that, you know, when, when you have that easy of a walk to the playoffs, and I really think that that division, a lot of the teams kind of laid down uh, as the season went on, realizing they had no shot. Um, I, I think that you can, uh, you know, potentially not continue to work as hard. Um, and, and I think usually the harder path to the playoffs, usually, you know, it, it, it's like the the hotter fires, you know, builds or, you know, has a stronger steel that comes out of it. I, I Part of me says, I think that some, you know, at some point there's going to be some adversity in the playoffs for the avalanche or the Knights. And we'll see how they, they come out of it. But uh, part of me says it's hard to, to, to vote against the Avalanche. I think the Wild could be a dark horse there. Uh, I think they're a well-composed team, and, and, and they at least were trending in the right direction uh, as the season went on. Um, you know, I think it's anyone's up for grab, but, I mean, obviously, I think if if, if you're an odds taker, the Avalanche are going to be the ones that uh, <laughs> have the you know everything weighted in yeah. the right direction. So that's, I think the, the Avalanche is the pick, but – that's the thing with the Blues and the Wild. I just don't think either of them have the scoring to keep up with with Colorado or Vegas. So, I mean, to me, that, that division is almost the most clear cut to me. Um, and then, you know, we have our division, the East, which I personally believe was the most difficult um, division. Uh, besides Buffalo and New Jersey, I, I, I think these four teams kind of fought it out all season long and, and really just took it to each other. I, I, I think we all already said, we think the Penguins are going to beat the Islanders, Washington and, and Boston. Who do you got Jim? And that, um, I, I truly do think that's, that's a complete coin toss um, uh, forcing me to pick. I'm I'm gonna take the Bruins. I think uh, hopefully it goes seven games. Hopefully they beat the absolute piss out of each other. And uh, when we finally get to play them, it's the Walking Dead versus the Penguins. So the, the, <laughs> the, uh, that's that's my dream scenario. Um, Boston really scares me. I think they are just so built for playoff hockey. And, um, God, I just cannot stand Brad Marchand, but I digress. I mean, we either get to go the Tom Wilson route or the Brad Marchand route. So I don't know which way, uh, Penguins fans win there, but now I, I would take the Bruins, but I do think it, it, it will be just a absolute war of a series. And then, take um, it the next step who wins this division. I mean, I, I have to take the Penguins. There's no chance I can go any any other direction. I, I don't even know that that's true, that they will. You know, my gut told me Bruins in five. I'm probably wrong there. You know, my eyes tell me that the Bruins are way better than the Caps. 
the Caps have more playoff experience. They have Ovi, and, and, and everyone knows he's like Sib, where if he decides to just totally take a series over, he can. Um, I, you know, I, I'm rooting for a seven-game series where they just, like you said, you're playing the walking dead no matter who you get. Um, yeah. The Penguins aren't going to have an easy march to get out of this division. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think there's an easy road for the Penguins to the Cup. But I don't think anyone has an easy road right now. And no one knows once who once you, you whoever wins the division has to face a team they haven't seen all year. And and we have no data on it. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, the first and second rounds is, is really just kind of going to be a battle. But after that, there's a big question mark for all the teams. You know, where does everyone right. stack up against each other? So uh, I, I think the Penguins uh, and the Bruins are probably the two best teams. Um, but it's hard to count the Capitals out. And of course, I'm, you know, the Islanders could just come out of nowhere and they, they're well coached. What do I you think guys the, think the out East of all of is going to be the one to watch. Out of all what of you... them, Boston's the one that's got the goalie that could steal it. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. You could say Jari too, but Boston's the one that's had the goalie who has stolen one. And I, I, I can see it happening again. He, he's, uh, he's got that kind of ability. And I don't, I don't see that from Washington. Although I've been waiting for Washington's goaltending to crumble and cause their demise just about all season. And it hasn't. What do you, what do you guys think that this just off the top of my head, what do you guys think about the way they um, built these divisions and particularly the East division this year? I mean, did, did you guys like it or was it something that you'd, you, you'd like to see again? Or I'm just curious. Cause I think there's a lot of different, opinions about that in general i personally thought it was kind of cool and especially how things you know obviously we won the division so i'm not i'm obviously going to like that but just as far as competition goes and how many games they had to play against each other familiarity wise i'm just curious what you guys thought i liked the the mini series aspect of it that's actually something I think would be really cool if they kind of kept um, in scheduling in the future. I liked playing back-to-backs against a lot of guys. I thought, I thought it really kind of gave you more of a measurement of um, the type of team that you were playing. Now, where that stinks is, for instance, say Sid and Gino are both hurt at the same time, and you've got a three-game set against the Flyers. That's not right, you know? <laughs> But because you're not really getting a true measure of how you've done against that team, you know, by the time you get to the, to the end of the season. But um, I do like the, the repetitiveness of playing. I think it, it almost made it feel playoff ish, you know, during the, the regular season where you were getting a little bit of that contentious nature that, that comes with the playoffs when you're, when you're playing people three, four times in a row. So I liked it from that aspect. I missed seeing the other teams. And uh, I missed specifically seeing the Penguins play those teams and the matchups that come with it. And so, you know, from that aspect, not the greatest. But this year, I think for what they had to do and what they were trying to get um, pulled off, great job. They did it. They, <laughs> here we are. The playoffs are happening in a season that I think a lot of people probably thought they started a little too early, you know, Jesus, what do you got on that? You know, I, I, I absolutely hated the way that this entire season was 
constituted and built. I understand why it needed to be that way, but, you know, here I think we are going into the playoffs and it feels like, uh, you know, the college football ranking system where no one from the SEC has played anyone from the Big Ten or the Pac-10 and how do you rank these people? So it's really just a bunch of gut feels. And I think that really until you get to the bowl games, um, you could be totally wrong. You could say, oh, look, you know, the Canadian division, the AHL North, and then they just go gangbusters and blow out Colorado. You don't know. Right. Um, so, you know, in, in my mind, it, it's slightly interesting, but I'd rather just have the regular season um, where, you know, everyone kind of plays every other team at least, you know, twice. And uh, you play your division a little bit more, but uh, it's not playing the same team two or three nights, not, not nights in a row, but games in a row. Um, I, I wasn't a, a big fan of, of how they did it, but I mean, you know, hockey, you know, watching hockey is better than watching no hockey. So this is the way exactly. that they had to do it to get the season underway. Very so true. I understand that, but if, if the circumstances weren't there, I would never vote for the way that they built this season. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're walking into the playoffs and maybe it's made it a little bit more interesting. We're going to really have no idea once we get out of the second round, uh, you know, how any division is going to fare versus any other division. But, um, you know, I think it, it's not, not my cup of tea. Yeah. I'm I mean, sensing from PJ, he doesn't like, he doesn't like the uncertainty. I like the playoff uncertainty. I like seeing what's going to happen when you throw the team from the SEC against the team from the big 10 and just seeing how it plays out, even though we didn't get to see it all year. Well, I, I mean, I find it ironic that Jesus doesn't want us to rely on blind faith, but you know, <laughs> we're going to, um, you know, <laughs> no, it's uh, honestly, I agree with everything you said. Uh, that's why I guess uh, the way I put it was the only thing I really liked about it was the, the series nature of it. I did like playing people back to back on, and I've always liked that when it occurred naturally. So you know, the, the home and home series. I, I think I like that. I think that was pretty cool. I didn't like, you know, going to someone else's barn and playing three games in a row there. I mean, that that's not natural to hockey players. I don't think it was natural to, to anybody. So that aspect of it really bothered me. But aside from that, it, it was hockey again. And I wanted hockey and I felt a lot more like this was hockey than the, um, abbreviated playoffs they put on last year so um at least they at least they moved the ball forward and, and made it better but guys hey for a first episode i think we kind of knocked it out of the park and i'm pretty excited about um sharing this with everybody so let's go ahead and end it here and give everybody a last chance to plug themselves if they should wish jim yeah guys uh i think if you have heard me on here at all. I am uh, Twitter constantly. So uh, it is for the city underscore 412 or at Jim Stam 22. All Pittsburgh all the time. We can do Pirates, Penguins, Pitt, Steelers. Uh, like I said before, I love to interact with people and talk sports and uh, hope to hear from you. And uh, can't wait to do this again, Gary. This was really fun. Sounds good. Jesus, you're up, buddy. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me on today, Gary. Uh, if you're on Twitter, I'm at Penguins Jesus. Uh, 
I don't know if uh, if you want to follow me or not, but uh, if you do, that's where I'm at, and uh, my my terrible takes will continue until until uh, they ban me. There is absolutely no way that anybody who is a Pirates character Twitter handle could possibly call themselves bad while Penguins Chronicles exists. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a he's a challenge. Um, although you know, I, I, I'm done with hard, that. <laughs> I, I, I don't hate the guy, though, because if enough people, you know, it, it kind of brings everyone together. It, it, we have one commonality in, in that, uh, you know, he, he's uh, he's basically on the bad side of everyone because of his uh, continued hate for Chris Letang. So, um, yeah, so he, when he you brought the fan base together, when you brought Letang up, I was expecting just, you know, a, a complete hack into the system here. And he was he, he was going to be ready to go. I just uh, just thought it was coming. <laughs> All you right, know, I, guys. I I don't I don't over hate or under hate Latang. I just you know I feel like uh, I've said before that it's it's like dating a stripper where there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love putting it that way. What a great note to end on. Hey, thanks everybody, and no no need for the conversation to stop. Hit any of us up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want, and uh, obviously we'll be in the fan forum. Uh, post on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Always hit me up in the asylum. Love chatting with you everywhere. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Let's go fans. Mm-hmm.